0: Hello all and welcome to the Own Your Voice family. Sit down with your cup of tea, your cup of coffee and buckle in because today's conversation you guys is so packed with incredible information that you as a creative artist will not, shall not, should never miss out on. It is my honor to introduce to you today a Nashville-based duo, Zach and Maggie White, that sat down to have a really open and honest conversation with me about their songwriting process, but also their process of staying relevant in the Nashville music scene without necessarily being mainstream. So we really talked about this idea of success and we redefined success and brought it back down to a very approachable level. So if you are an artist that is struggling to define who you are, maybe you don't fit in with a specific niche or maybe you're burnt out on trying to play the Instagram and YouTube algorithm game and have kind of sold yourself to that but lost yourself as a unique creative artist, we invite you in today's conversation. It is inspirational and it is packed with things that you need to hear. So without further ado, let's go. Welcome to Own Your Voice, the personal and professional development podcast for today's creative artists. Grab a chair and join us. We saved you a seat at the table. Now, here's your host, Gabrielle Stahlschmidt. Well, thank you, first and foremost, for agreeing to sit down with me and have this conversation. I love sitting down with creative artists because everybody has such a different approach to music and just songwriting. Mm-hmm. And to since you manage kind of your own career, um, the business side of things and anything that we can talk about to inspire up and coming musicians and solopreneurs, as I like to call them, um, would mm-hmm. be amazing. So it's just a really candid conversation about who mm-hmm. you are, what you do, and kind of what your mission is through your music. Just for all All the listeners who don't know who you are, this is Zach and Maggie White. They are a Nashville-based duo that writes a lot of their own music, and they tour also from time to time with the Gettys, and I absolutely love the Gettys, so if you follow them, you have seen the amazing Zach and Maggie in person. So first, I want to dive kind of into your background. How did you get your start? What made you decide to become a duo? And then we'll just dive in from there. Sure. All right.
1: I'll let you start since okay. she doesn't know your story. She knows a little bit of mine. At least like start beginning
0: start.
2: Yeah. Beginning. Beginning. You were born in a log
1: cabin, no? <laughs> right.
2: All the dirty secrets, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> I started. Well, I started playing when I was four, and um, I've been playing ever since.
0: <laughs> the okay. <end>. No. The <laughs> <end>. <laughs>
2: um And uh, let's see. I started classically and kept that up all the way through uh, Belmont, okay. and uh, but did. Uh, Fiddle stuff on the side as well, yeah. and um, I guess in t- early, I don't know, teens, I would do a lot of fiddle contest. Um, <laughs> so I always kind of had like the fiddles, the fiddle stuff going along with it, and listen to a lot of different styles of music. Right. Um, and uh, then me and Zach met at Belmont, mm-hmm. and okay. that's where we met at in bluegrass ensemble. Mm-hmm. And then, um, let's see, got married just after college, and. You've pretty oh, much amazing. been working
1: in the music industry. Since yeah, yeah, I had
2: played with a lot of bands before then, okay. um, so it's kind of like. Um.
0: <laughs> so, how much then? Really quickly to spin off of that, do you use your classical background for what you do now?
2: Quite a lot. I feel like as far as technique goes, it really does um, influence all of the other styles a lot. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really handy and it just gives you a a really good facility around the instrument. So that's been, that's been very helpful. I try to, I try to practice that even when I'm not doing something specifically classical. Sometimes I have
0: more success with that than others. That's probably (laughs) what
1: most of your actual practice time these days is, is actually Mm -hmm. still classical music. I
0: think that's so Mm -hmm. interesting because I know classical music gets such a bad rap nowadays Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. when people think classical, they think immediately like opera and this kind of unapproachable older style art form. But they need to realize it's so important for the technicality Mm -hmm. of what you do as a musician. So having that as a foundation is something Mm -hmm. that I think is so incredibly important. So I love that. I love that that's how you started, but kind of uh, explain a little bit about how you got into fiddling. What drew you to that?
2: Um, a lot of just listening. I mean, uh, my dad loved different, different types of instrumental music growing up. And so he would play bluegrass and Celtic. We had like Mark O'Connor CDs and um, Natalie McMaster and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so I'd listen to a lot of different styles that way. And then, um, it was kind of, I felt like I played more classical, but I always listened to more fiddle stuff. Okay. And, uh, and so that kind of, I think, I think that's that's one of the main things is just listening to it so much Mm -hmm. um influences the style a lot and Mm -hmm. uh so then with the um uh with the classical kind of side by side i feel like it kind of influences each other kind of thing
0: right Right. and now you you tap dance too um, I already do Irish dip dancing. Okay. Well, you fiddle. A little bit of tap. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly incredible. Irish dancing. incredible. I mean, <laughs> being able to do that multitask blows my mind. I am not that kind of talented. I have two left feet if at best. So I think that's so impressive. Now, is oh, that thanks. something that you did from a really young age as well? Um, around, oh gosh, was that probably 12? I think okay. is when I started dancing.
2: Yeah so not quite as early as fiddle fiddle feels fiddle feels like home yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah and then i and then i did some dancing i guess from about 12 to 16 or so yeah
0: Okay, so, and is that something that yeah. kind of ran in the family, or was that all you and your? No, <laughs> I actually saw. I
2: was just envisioning my family all day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but um,
2: yeah, I uh, I saw actually I saw Natalie McMaster fiddle and dance, and I thought I want to do that. I didn't know what kind of dance she did. I assumed it was Irish. I don't think it is
0: though. <laughs> and so then I started
2: taking Irish dance lessons, and um, I thought I want to figure out how to put that together. So that was a very like like, very direct, like, I saw her do this, like, okay, I want to figure that thing out, right,
0: know? now, is that something that you do as a duo, or just, you know, with the um, Gettys or
2: what, not yet, yeah, so right now, it's just Gettys. Yeah. Um
1: did, I- did you do it much, even before them, like, performing, I know you did it yeah. a little bit on your own, but, like, did you ever do it with Peter's group, or, no, no,
2: so, I guess, I hadn't,
1: it's almost like a skill that got drawn out. It
2: worked really well with Gettys, just being the Irish connection and all that, you know? Right. Um, I think I've, I've done it for some other things in the past, um, but not every band that I play with. And right. so I think yeah. it's something that we'd like to figure out how to incorporate, right. but we're also not sure if it works well,
0: yeah. but maybe it will
2: one day. It's, it's you know. such a
1: specific yeah, color it is. to a show. just like
0: pull it out of the back pocket. <laughs> so guys, are you right. ready for <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this? Exactly.
2: And now, you know,
1: right. there's no turning. Like, any band that has it, it's almost always like the last song in a set because there's no turning back once someone starts dan- tap dancing. Oh or, yeah. Or, or dancing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like we need to take a break after that that's that's too crazy
0: <laughs> so then are, do you are you do you get nervous whenever you do that are you more nervous to dance or play violin or how does that work
2: um I don't think I generally get nervous uh <laughs> it's usually more nerve-wracking <laughs> from walking from where I am to where the dance floor is yeah. than it's actually <laughs> dancing <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's the transition between the two that bothers me a lot, right? That's
0: great. I can see that. Yeah. So it's kind of like out of nowhere, you know, yeah. but it's uh, <laughs> like I'm
2: just kind of sneaking up on it, yeah. you know? <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, you, so. you learn
1: playing on stage with her. Like that's <laughs> the moment to watch because she's she's actually like looking here. Like she looks like the Pink Panther
2: over there, kind of yeah is, is it
0: now? Creepy. Is now the time? Right? Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. How about now?
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah. And Zach, tell us a little bit about your background as well.
1: Right. Well, of course, we grew up together and uh, the choir was such a huge part of our musical upbringing. (laughs) Um, uh, A lot of it too, just that was what, like like you, our families did. Uh, You know, it started, neither of my parents were musical. uh, So my older brother, Jacob, saw Pro Prowin on Sesame Street and said, I want to do that. And he started playing violin and sister got into piano. So by the time I came around, it was just what our family did. And uh, so my folks were all in just 100% support with very little, uh, you know, know know-how. But I think they enjoyed that part of it. I just remember all the time in piano lessons and voice lessons, mom with her little, you know, binders taking all the notes for us and
0: Mm -hmm. sitting
1: there. So so music was just something we always did kind of into high school. It was... I started, I picked up a guitar at 13. I'd kind of quit most of my private lessons, except for choir and voice. And then at 13, I picked up a guitar. I'd started to do like football and Boy Scouts. I was thinking military, that's going to be the idea. So I picked up a guitar and just really fell in love with it. Uh, my best friend at the time, Stuart Glenn, uh, was a fiddle player. And we just we clicked real quickly with music. And uh, we ended up, create a little band in high school called Flint River with some mm-hmm. friends and played all the coffee shops that. around town. <laughs> it was a fun time. Uh, and then we had a funny moment when, cause he's a year older than I was. And <clears throat> I think, I think I was 16. He was 17. might've been the year after that we were just hanging out and I kept like, all right, this year I want to try and book these places. And he's like, I don't know if I want to do this forever. And yeah. that's when I realized I think I do. <laughs> and it was this, this kind of, so you know, pretty
0: early on then.
1: Yeah, it, it, was, it was mid-high school, you know, sophomore, junior year of high school that, that I kind of knew I really am interested in music. But, of course, it was so scary looking at it from afar. Oh, yeah. I didn't know anybody that did it professionally that wasn't a teacher that just taught out a home. Anybody who, who did touring or whatnot. I didn't really go to a concert that wasn't classical until I was 14, Thirteen wow, or fourteen? Okay, okay. Yeah, Stuart's grandpa took us to go see Ricky Skaggs at the Sheldon. Yes, the
0: best too. Oh,
1: <laughs> and I loved it. It was great. So it was. I got to tell Ricky that last year.
0: Oh, how amazing! Because he
1: he's played with the, the Gettys Christmas a few times, and I said, "Hey, my and it was actually funny two years ago. Andy Lefwich, which was his fiddle player, was on tour with us. He was he was playing uh, third fiddle <laughs> or second That's fiddle. Was it? But anyway, I was te- I was telling Andy and Andy never like, plays second no, fiddle. He's so f- great. <laughs> there you go. I said, you guys were my first like bluegrass concert and got me on the road going down there. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, that's cool. And like, no, it seriously means a lot. They're like, oh, that's nice.
0: Right, uh, they're like, we hear that all the time. We're yeah, so inspirational. Exactly, so yeah. <laughs> it's
1: just who we are. We just inspire people every day. No, they're the sweetest guys on planet Earth. But anyway, um, so yeah, so that, that really kind of put me in that gear. But I was never 100% committed when I went. I decided I wanted to go to Belmont. I talked mm-hmm. with um, great guitarists up in St. Louis, uh, John McClellan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was kind of near the end of high school, and uh, I played for him, and I said, could I Could I possibly make it in Nashville? And he's like, yeah, sure, which felt so weird of an Just answer to me at 65. the time. <laughs> right. But now that I'm in the music industry, I realize, yeah, I mean, if you can play most songs and kind of feel in the groove, and you played in a band for a while, you, it, technically, it, <laughs> there, there's a wide range of right. what musicians require uh, and he understands that it's like there's so much more than just what you can and can't play but he took me under his wing for about a year really helped me with my fingerstyle guitar stuff taught me a lot of chet atkins style playing mm-hmm. uh, of course john's main focus is classical but he also wrote a whole bunch of books on chet um and uh and he he kind of prepared me for my audition at belmont went to belmont uh uh, but still wasn't 100% committed. It was always, mis- you know, I was Mr. Plan B because uh-huh. music <laughs> seemed like this big, scary thing. So I was yeah. Army ROTC and a guitar major, which is a very odd combination.
0: It, a little bit. And all the Army <laughs> guys will
1: tell you that. We had we had like study sessions. Most of them are nurses or political science or criminology. Mm-hmm. And they'd all be sitting there doing studies and I'm practicing Bach in the corner.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And they're like, we were all doing homework, Zach. I said, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> said, That's your homework? So <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I only did it for about two years and I kind of, it hit that breaking point of going either I commit all the way or I don't right? because decision times are coming up, mm-hmm. uh, of, of, you know, classes that I'm going to take. I came to Belmont to be in the bluegrass ensemble there and, uh, all the ROTC requirements were at the exact same time oh, okay. that bluegrass ensemble was, and I was just getting really frustrated and I wasn't doing well in the army. It just, it, it wasn't a great match, sure. uh, for a lot of other reasons, um, and I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll commit. And it was the best. And the day I walked into Bluegrass Ensemble, I met Maggie and two other bandmates that ended up being in the first band that we put a record out with. Wow! So it was, meant to be. yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> no, I know, and then.
0: Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, it's fine.
0: Um, Music is a scary field because it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where it's, you know, it's always changing and being able to make it is so subjective. I mean, you could have all the skill in the world, but not have the right connections and it just not be the right Mm -hmm. timing. Um, So what for you mentally was kind of that turning point in yourself where you said, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do.
1: It was, man. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know if it was, a, if it was necessarily like a moment in time, mm-hmm. but rather a, a realization mm-hmm. of a shift in the mind that had happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely in high school, I think it was an end of, college, or end of high school mostly, was really looking at, oh, I have to choose what I want to start looking right. at in life. And I've been really bad about recognizing the things I absolutely love and going headstrong at them. I can't, I'm Mr. Optimist. I just like everything. Everything's yeah. wonderful. Maggie can attest to, I, I can tell, I can say that, oh, I could turn that into a job anytime. Right. right now in the middle of all this quarantine stuff, I'm having to do other type of work. And I was yeah. telling her, no, I, I couldn't do this as a full-time job all the time. I actually don't like this. As I'm much. like
2: complete opposite. So if he brings up something that he could do as a job, I'm like, oh, so are, are, you, are you thinking about it? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like I only ever had one thing in mind. Right. So. so it takes me.
1: I, I'm usually like way too deep into a thing before I realize. Oh, I actually love this more than anything else.
2: Right.
0: And music
1: right. was that I was, you know, I was spending all my time just focusing on it. I remember got a little recorder at home and just, oh man, I love that. And I <laughs> spent hours recording terrible, terrible music in my bedroom, trying <laughs> to make something there. good. Yeah. <laughs> trying to go what in the world is a compressor? I have no idea how this thing works right. or what it could possibly be, but I would spend six hours and it'd be two in the morning and, and I'd, I would go to bed going, I guess that means something. If you're spending all your time doing something right. that you should probably keep doing that.
0: Right, absolutely. And I mean, just always being willing to continue to learn and to make bad things at the start, too, yeah. and realize <laughs> that that's part of the process. Oh, yeah, 100%. Just because you're not perfect at something in the beginning doesn't mean it's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So, and I'm, I don't know if the story is the same for you, Maggie, um, kind of that point when you decided to really go after music.
2: Um, I don't remember that part, but I do remember, like, whenever I realized that touring was a thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'd, I, as soon as I started playing violin, I, that's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, I think it was, actually, I'm not exactly sure if it was, it was either Allison Krauss or, um. Natalie McMaster Mm -hmm. and I knew uh, it's kind of like that moment that I found out that you could tour and play it's like that's all I want to do is tour and play (laughs) and and so I remember that moment and uh, after that I was just kind of like well that's that's what I'm gonna go do you know and just kind of geared that was pretty young
1: too right yeah my
2: first concert was probably not long after I started taking I think that was probably four or five yeah so that's really no, my, my, <laughs> I, my, The first concert that I got to see was Alison Cross. So yeah. I didn't explain that yes, part. And I absolutely but, love um, Allison. Yeah. yeah. And so um, her between seeing her do what she does and, and Natalie doing what she does um, it, uh, I, I just thought, Oh, to travel around and to play music. That, that's all I want yeah. to do. So I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the, the actual job part was specific, but as far as just playing, it's just kind of right. like, that's just, like that's, that's just what I'm going to do. No yeah. I'll get that right. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: because well, I tease her all the time that because I say you know she's never had a real job yeah, in her I life. she's only ever
0: played violin. Don't you love it when people say that though? You're like you have no yeah. idea how much work goes into this.
2: <laughs> right, right. It's so hard to be fake. I mean, yeah.
0: that's social media. Let me tell you. Right.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so then kind of talk about um after the college years were you guys always just in that duo together or did you start after college separately in your music career
2: that was uh yeah i think we like right after college we kind of weren't sure if it would fit together but we also figured out that uh we, we didn't know any tunes together because yeah. I think everybody thought we'd just come home and play more music and yeah. we were not doing that.
1: Well, we were like In college we had started, we were with a group called Vicky Vaughn Band. Yeah,
2: I was just mean as far as the duo oh, yeah, part. for the duo but, thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's
1: actually very recent uh-huh. as a duo.
2: So as far as, like we, we played in groups together a lot, but as far as doing duo yeah. stuff, that actually started kind of out of, we needed to know some stuff together because now and then you'd get called on to play something and we mm-hmm. just like, well, we ain't got nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so we thought, well, we're going to put out a weekly video, mm-hmm. um, which was really just to practice together. And then that started becoming more and more of a thing. So it's like, well, yeah. we should do a duo thing. We but-
1: both talked about for years, we'd wanted to have shows that we kind of ran ourselves. Yeah. And then, you know, being around folks that actually ran shows, we realized, oh, that that takes a very specific type of personality. Yeah. And maybe we we fit two sides of a coin that mm-hmm. can be that personality since neither of us are usually that kind of especially you know some of the folks we work with really classify under that mad scientist, brilliant mind that's really <laughs> spacey and hard to <laughs> nail down, but they're so focused in their job and in uh-huh. the show, right. and neither of us are that way, <laughs> but we recognize where it's, you know, some of her, her musical ear and taste are so specific, which is really helpful for someone like me who can kind of say yes to whatever, right. <laughs> but then I have got a lot more uh, of a more business and marketing mind, yeah. so we thought, oh, we could combine those and actually turn this probably into an actual touring show, so.
0: Right now how would you classify your style of music
1: that's the hardest question for us we (laughs) say americana or folk rock right now
2: have you got any better ideas yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: mostly mostly acoustic you know the fiddle in it adds a color yes very distinctively the songs that that i tend to write are everybody comments like oh that's a little different but (laughs) no one's been able to pinpoint exactly what those things are (laughs) Which has been very frustrating because it's hard to get part of any association or any group of music that's like, oh, we book these kind of artists. Yes. And we go Mm -hmm. like, oh, we kind of can. Right. We've been (laughs) been on a country radio station because we have one song about a cowboy, but then (laughs) another song about cell phones doesn't really work.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Cowboys might have cell phones. They might. They might. (laughs) They would today. (laughs)
0: But oh. they'd like
1: stick to flip phones. They wouldn't get oh, smartphones. Yeah,
0: It'd be like uh, the Razor.
1: Yeah, oh. Yeah. oh
0: my goodness. That brings back memories. <laughs> I had to have one and I never oh, got yeah. one. And I was so mad oh. in high school.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, I'm not cool if I don't have a Razor.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: but then combining both of your styles and your genres, how do you find inspiration collectively whenever you're writing music? Hmm. Well far so, apart. <laughs> yeah, <or actually>. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's kind of landed on mostly I've done more of the writing. Okay. It's a new it's a newer feature of Maggie's, but she has a great ear for specific parts of an arrangement. Yeah. Specific things. Um, so you know, like that that was something we've we've talked with other couples about. Like one of the one of the best advice things we've ever come up with with if you work with your spouse in a actual working capacity mm-hmm. is learn to know which things you need to do alone. Yeah. So it's like coming together has this great idea and, and you have to do it from time to time, but usually most of the time in bands, you come together for a moment and everybody goes away and works on their own stuff. Yeah. Well, when you live in the same house, it's hard to say, Oh, this is the moment <laughs> yeah. we need to separate Yeah. because in a band that that moment is usually, Hey, we got to get home now.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, so for writing inspiration for me usually comes from, a, a, a quirky thought or idea, usually a scene. I, I always like to write in characters. Yeah. Mostly. So I, I try to think of a character that either makes me laugh or, or seems sentimental. These days I've been trying to write more in a traditional writing style of finding a line that, that means something. Uh, and then a big inspiration I've taken from Keith Getty has been writing from melody first instead of lyrics. Okay. Cause uh, they tend to write that way. Uh, Cause he makes a good point that the melody is actually the superior art form when you combine song and lyrics, mm-hmm. because great lyrics are fantastic, but they don't work on their own. Right. Great melodies do. That's so interesting. so so if you start with a the melody, then you can go that way. So I've written a few songs that mm-hmm. way this this year and I've really liked them. It's it's been a neat thing and I've been trying that more and more. Um, but the inspiration usually comes from um just a a silly thought or idea. <laughs> and And then chasing it for a minute and see where it takes you
0: <laughs> so then are you the one that does a lot of the the um writing on your website and things like Poseidon's Hall in Atlantis yeah. is your next touring destination <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah that's that's a, that's a shared humor style for the two of us
0: I love it it's so amazing uh um, and unexpected Although, <laughs> it's always
2: the mix between like because I always read it as like that's funny I think people get the joke. It's like, yeah, they'll get it. And there's always one person that doesn't. Like, right, it's right. just always one. Right. You know?
0: <laughs> so, but I'll take it for one. You know? yeah, yeah. Yes. I love it. It's amazing. It gives you guys such personality, which is um, definitely comes Thanks. out too in your songwriting, oh, uh, which is so unique. And I love that because it's not like, commonplace. It's not something that you hear on the radio all the time. Mm. And so it does make you think about oh, the great. lyrics. Um, and I know some of that is silly, some of it's serious, yeah. um, but it's amazing. And I love that aspect of the personality that you so easily share and it just makes you so approachable um, as a duo too. So I love it. Good job. <laughs> oh, on thank you. Then with that writing style, I guess what is it as artists that you want to share or inspire another artist?
1: mm oh i mean you said something that we've we've been trying for it's like we want to create music that is listenable but makes you think a little bit that Mm -hmm. it doesn't that isn't as passive as a lot of other songs are Mm -hmm. you know stuff that that makes that has a little bit of for lack of a better term clunkiness in the lyrics that makes you kind of go wait what did he just say right, and right. think about that so you focus on oh this is about this concept because usually there are nothing so heavy that it's it's awkward or or you know I, I've actually always had a hard time with songwriters and I know this is a lot of them <laughs> but it's just something that's never touched to me when when it's super specific to their life and you kind of have to have this code key yeah. to their personality to understand yeah. the song right. I was like well that 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 breaks the illusion of using it for self-definition Right. Yeah, I remember a music business professor saying, you know, in a very music business way, where they're like, songs are there for people to self-define or self-describe. And I think there's validity to that. I think it's right. a little narrow-minded, but, it, okay. but it, it, we definitely use them for that standpoint. So I've always looked at songs more in a movie script. Okay. How do I write a short story Yeah. in musical form? My, my favorite songwriter, bar none, is Randy Newman. Okay. And, and I think that, and I, and he does a similar thing and it's just trying to emulate that of, okay, I'm going to use this f- little character as sweet or odd or quirky, or just as, you know, squirmy emotion to describe <laughs> this, this thing he that wrote, I'm feeling now. He wrote now. a
0: serial killer song not long ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was a wow. a very emotion. <laughs> Should you be a little worried, Maggie? <laughs> <laughs> I play along. Right, right. Your eyes right, right. open.
1: It didn't help Secretly that I wrote at like your four favorite in the song and, and woke up with it for no. her. Like here, I wrote this to my. <laughs> right, right.
0: Which is interesting though, because um, that style of writing and that kind of quirkiness really brings down unapproachable topics like mm. death to a yeah. really a human and approachable level, which is what you did in Double Grave. And yeah. I would love to hear from you the meaning and everything behind that. <laughs>
1: It was a driving back home to St. Louis, actually. I was listening to a lot of Tom Waits. Okay. And everyone who knows Tom Waits knows that, yeah, you think about death when you listen to him, but this <laughs> is not in that quirky, approachable manner. It's no. sort of a, you know, let me listen through the sound of the gravel truck to see if I can <laughs> right. make sure the melody. Um, but it, it was, he had a song called, Who Will Put Flowers on a Flower's Grave? Very heavy, deep mm-hmm. was the lyric. And it, and it just twisted me into the idea of uh, a guy sitting in a grave. I actually have the notes on my phone I just saw the other day. Uh, it's, it's the start of my song thoughts.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, nice. Okay. You, you've got to, like, just write it down in a napkin. I know. if it's any good, I've you have to write it down in a napkin.
1: I know that that's, you know, because we all have those illusions of grandeur of, like, <laughs> the right. Hall of
2: Fame, display. <laughs> right. and mine's,
1: like, a computer. It's-
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, but yeah it's just a, <laughs> a printout of my notes app no, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but it just said that a guy in grave waiting on wife
0: okay was the thought
1: and then it was it was a year later that oh, sat wow. there I had no melody I just had the idea I tried writing it for the rest of the, the drive um and nothing but it was a year later uh, I think you were on a trip with the Runa I was home alone And uh, yeah, I wrote the song in 15 minutes. Oh, wow. It was like initial idea, wait a year, 15 minutes. (laughs)
0: See, I think that's so valuable and especially for um, my students who I know will be listening who want to songwrite. I think mm-hmm. we all get hung up on this. I have to have this idea and flesh it out now or else mm-hmm. I'm just never going to do anything with it. Yeah. So, I mean, to understand that a song takes on so many different seasons and you mm-hmm. might actually start with something that you think is finished and then change yeah. it over the course mm-hmm. of your career and that's okay. Oh, uh, absolutely. That doesn't make it unprofessional or that doesn't mean that you are not meant to be a songwriter. So I think that's really right. valuable too that it does take longer for certain things. And you yeah, know whenever yeah. it's right and when it's time. Right, right and I'll right. say too,
1: it's also the only song I've written in 15 minutes. <laughs> in that sense. It's, well, like, it's a
0: year and 15 minutes. Yeah, a so, year yeah, and 15 that's minutes. That's how long it took to write that song. It's so good. quick when you put it like that.
1: Yeah. Because usually I'm, I'm a drafts writer. I write, okay. you know, a verse and a chorus, maybe, or even a full song, and then I I come back to it six or seven times mm-hmm. and try to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Um, but yeah, that that song was that. And so it was it was really just tr- it was trying to go for a laugh. How could I use this idea of death to be funny? Yeah. Uh, and especially I I thought about it more after the fact. But the 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 what was it? I I had a quote when we were doing all the marketing for it that the. I can't find it. Anywho,
0: I'll we'll come okay. back
1: to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then um,
0: spinning off of that, uh, even though a song is never, I guess, truly finished, you're always making mm. modifications even when you're performing it live. I'm sure you're doing something different every time or almost yeah. every time. How do you know when a song that you've written is final enough to be performed? Ooh, I, think,
2: I think you kind of don't wait till
0: then to perform it because I think okay. you discover
2: yeah. if it's ready kind of on stage but you might choose not to do it at
1: certain venues yeah i I usually find
2: (laughs) it's
0: it's, it's like
1: (laughs) jumping off the cliff
2: at a point yeah it's like there's there's great there's great venues that like that kind of thing yeah so you know book yourself at the the songwriting round Mm -hmm. or the uh the the place that loves to hear new songs yeah so that you can get all the bugs out kind of thing
1: right we've got we've got a song that I've said was finished because the writing portion is finished, but the arranging part isn't ready. Uh, And we didn't realize that until we had a show uh, in February and we're like, okay, I'd written three new songs for the, that, since january we're gonna try them all at this show mm-hmm. and two of them yeah we went forward and um, you know there's probably some rewrites still after that that i did but it got me to play them and because there's something about that commitment of being in front of an audience and actually performing mm-hmm. that you cannot stop you don't realize how mm-hmm. much you stop and question when you're by yourself or even when you're with your band but in front of an audience there's that commitment of like the train is rolling and you can't Mm -hmm. stop and and you see the mistakes go by and you're like, Oh yeah, that doesn't work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there's also like, you know, like when you're practicing something a lot, you'll get tired of something or you think, well, I've heard that enough. I need to shorten it. So this might just be, be coming down to arrangement stuff. But yeah. then whenever you actually play it for people, it's, oh, well, they obviously don't have that melody in their head. So yeah. Yeah. playing this thing twice before we start the verse or, or whatever it is, you know, it, it doesn't seem so long or the other way around, which you might really love a part and then you get up and play it on stage and it's like yeah. that one forever. You know? <laughs> and So,
1: so to um, answer directly, I would, I would say yeah. it's sort of it, when I find myself almost going is it ready
0: mm-hmm. just and go for it. it at that yeah. point right if right. you feel
1: like th- is it ready then go uh okay. don't wait for a it is because it almost never feels like it is
0: well i mean i don't know if you're anything like me but i am a huge perfectionist which yeah. i am attempting to recover from um- <laughs> <laughs> It is a long process, but for me, you know, every it has to be perfect and then the realization that nothing is ever perfect. Yeah. Right. Um, so just forcing yourself to go for it and I think that's the beauty of um as an artist if you're trying to get noticed or putting your music out there a YouTube channel.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and so I guess let's talk about that a little bit. Do you have any tips or anything for musicians wanting to just go for it and put their music out there into the world?
1: i I mean, there is every form and variety, and you know right now it's so easy to make stuff, especially right now in this whole quarantine yes. state where make everyone's making tons of videos you know we're we're literally in between recording videos for something that 's broadcasting Tuesday right now uh, so in a way it 's kind of a wash mm-hmm. go for it it's it's almost whether or not it's successful or mm-hmm. or isn't is whatever you, you you have very little control over that you can do certain techniques to to go for it but usually that's not authentic to your music right. most of the time mm-hmm. um so it's just start just start building something and it'll grow it's 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 a skill like any other thing mm-hmm. you know if you're a piano player this you know you had to start with your little scales and your little songs yep. and you grow and get bigger and get nicer equipment and pianos yep. And making videos, I think, is the exact same kind of thing. Start with just an iPhone and go. Uh, it's funny. There's a there's a songwriter uh, from West Virginia that had contacted me recently. He wanted me to hear some of his songs, give some opinion. He's a great songwriter, really, really mm-hmm. good. And the same day he sent me the message on Instagram to listen to some songs, he posted this little song he wrote about quarantine on uh, Reddit, and it blew up, got him to the front page. Oh, wow. and the other day, I was, I was just... Browsing, I was on Reddit, and he was there live, and had six thousand people watching him oh in that God. moment. And he was still like, "Hey Zach, what do you think of the song?" I'm like, "You're doing better than I am online. <laughs> right.
2: I should be asking
1: your opinion because you're connected with people in a way." But right. it, it's but his production quality, you know he he's got one mic yeah. and whatever. I've got all this gear. It doesn't make me the a better. So we started connection. with
2: a little tiny mic on. the We did. Oh, our camera, first videos were just our,
1: our phone yeah. going okay. on Instagram. Yeah, and and then we. Jump over to youtube but so it's, it's like
2: doing something it's not know? that
1: we have answers we just just do it a bunch right. and uh consistency is a big one
2: mm-hmm. yes.
1: uh you know fans do respond to that there's a back and forth as to uh you know covers versus originals mm-hmm. i'm an originals guy myself uh, i've had a lot of i've worked with a lot of friends that have worked with youtube artists mm-hmm. that do covers and and he's, he's talked about a very specific personality of yeah. those people and, and there's not, the, there's an ownership of something that they don't own. It's yes. a little odd, but that being said, I also known plenty of folks that do covers in a great way mm-hmm. that actually add a unique voice to them and, and bring something original uh, to those songs. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the general mm-hmm. thoughts. O- online is such a unique space and we're still figuring it out. Yeah. These days.
0: I mean, I, I think, that's kind of how it always is because yeah. it is so fluid. It's always changing. And just when you think you've navigated it, there's something brand new out there. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's a challenge as an artist too. It's exhausting, especially when you're doing everything for yourself and you're not necessarily with a management team or something. You got to be yeah. your own marketer yeah. and then the artist that does everything too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then do you guys, or how much stock do you put in all of the challenges that go around like Instagram, the songwriting challenges and the mm. you know, silly little things out there? Do you guys do anything like that?
1: We've never ah. been those kind of people. Have I think we? I've
0: only ever been 10 in like one of those, yeah.
2: And it wasn't songwriting; it was like I don't know, use your bow this way or something. But
1: that's not saying that that's the thing to do. It's just my yeah, yeah. personality.
2: I, yeah, I think that's the thing. Just like oh shoot, I've got another thing to do. You know? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd try it. Right,
1: we, <laughs> yeah. we hosted a couple weeks ago like uh, a music festival online for for musicians during the covet thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was we we're just one of the first festival style things to do it mm-hmm. and we got some press from it and some interesting things and I was thinking I was like this is the very first time in my life I've ever been relevant to something <laughs> modern because our our pull has always been that we play these traditional styles of things right. in, a, in a modern way but but it's it, we've never been like forefront of whatever so yeah those kind of <laughs> right uh, games and, and, and fun things on social media. They may be great. I'm the last person to ask because I've never participated. I just don't have the attraction for it. Sure, sure. I'm not saying that they're bad. Just,
0: right. Everybody has me. a different way. Right. You know, and that's, those are the things that go viral too. So I guess yeah. if you're trying to mm-hmm. really grow your social media, then you're always staying on top of those little things too. Right.
1: I'll say like one of the things I find chasing the success on those sites, people fail to recognize that those sites are, the growth that happens on it are based on algorithms. Yes. So especially YouTube, you know, if you're looking to get paid from YouTube the most, then you have to create youtube videos that bow to the YouTube algorithm, which yeah. means they're a twenty minute video,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which means it's you talking about yourself all the time mm-hmm. and then you play a song, and usually covers do better, mm-hmm. and you have to dress a certain way and act a certain way and by the end of it, you're not you
0: right
1: you're what YouTube thinks you should be
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and and what that in, down to dollars and cents, a lot of those artists have had trouble touring yeah. because they've shared their entire life with their audience online. Why, what mystery is there to go see that person in person?
0: True. That's true. Yeah. Mm. So then talking kind of about your duo as opposed to playing with groups like the mm-hmm. Gettys, um, how do you kind of manage and navigate that even schedule wise? Um, the schedule
2: part has been really helpful because the, um, since Gettys don't tour all year round, mm-hmm. it's kind of like any time. They, they they usually do um, like something in the summer, a fall tour and Christmas tour. Okay. Um, And usually like the first half of the year is pretty much always very sparse. There might be, you know, a couple of things here and there, but that part's helped us be able to say, oh, we're just going to, you know, work on our music. We do, we still do freelance gigs for other artists and stuff like that, you know, so it's not a... It's not 100% just our stuff, but having something that clear of, like, our main gig is during this time, and then we can have the other time to do our own stuff has been really helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: We've watched a lot of other musicians handle that, where they have a... An artist that has a lot of name recognition mm-hmm. and tours, and you know they they can earn some good money playing with that artist, and then they also can scratch another musical itch or or, or stretch some muscles that they have in their musicality in another way. And it's it's really it all comes down to schedule mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And uh, you know we tend to find that most musicians work on on a kind of in these three month chunks of time. Sometimes they're doing two three month chunks, like six months of touring together. Sometimes it's a tour, a break recording a tour Mm -hmm. you know they they kind of break it out in that way so you just find those moments to where those breaks are and go through and especially the the more successful an an artist is usually the the touring breaks are larger stints you know a a lot of pop stars and whatnot they'll do a year and a half tour but then two years off the road Mm -hmm. then the guys that play for those artists will they're like okay so for those two and a half years i'll do my Mm -hmm. own band or i'll be a teacher at a school for a minute right. or I'll do videos. Uh, so it, it's one of the, I remember in college, Maggie told me once, cause she was a good little student and always <laughs> it, it would stay up for forever in the, in the middle of the morning to try and just get great grades and stuff. And I was never that guy, so I couldn't <laughs> understand it. But she told me near the end, she goes, everyone said life only gets busier after school. She goes, I don't know how it can. <laughs> And I said, I think because music, music degrees require so many non-credit courses and all this yes. stuff that it actually gets easier, and it does. Yes, it,
2: it-, it does. Although, I will say, it was my teacher telling me that, and yeah. I'm just like, you're wrong, it's easier now. <laughs> so, I, much I don't think I've pulled any all-nighters since then. Yeah. So it's just like
0: I did my time. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Our work is typically front loaded. We put a ton right. of time into the beginning. And once you reach a state of being able to create music, then time is really important because you've got to find that that time to be creative.
0: Right. Yeah. So then for my musicians who are trying to get noticed, how did you even go about linking up with the Gettys? Um, actually, let's see.
2: I guess I feel like that was kind of just, just getting to know people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's, that's the thing. A lot of times we'll get asked, um, if like somebody will come up and ask us, should they move to Nashville? It's like, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that's a loaded question, you know? Right. And, um, it's, it's this combination of, um, regardless of whether you move here or not, you have to network. And yeah. even then it's not like any guarantee. And so like with Getty's, um, was, uh, just because I think it's an interesting story. Yeah. You um, had met a fiddle player that, okay, I should back up again. Hold on. Let me try mm-hmm. that again. Okay. So when Zach first came down to Nashville, he was trying to find a church. And um, the one he ended up going to, the greeter, uh-huh. was a fiddle player who wrote fiddle books that both Zach and I grew up with. So okay. just happened to meet that guy. And then Craig Duncan um, yeah, was his name. I don't know if Abby
1: had any of his stuff. In y'all's I house. I have
2: no idea.
1: The <laughs> old book from Mel Bay, he probably wrote. Yeah, so okay, was so written,
2: Oops, sorry. Um, so yeah, so he's written a lot of books, and so he met him, and then he started playing at Finlay's Irish Pub um, with Craig and Jeff Taylor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's an accordion uh, player here. Yeah, in town. plays accordion in town. Yeah. And then Who knows um, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's <nice>. And then <laughs> I guess probably I don't know. A while after that, yeah. that's the other thing too, is that little steps get made that you don't even know got get yeah. made you know and so um i had taken let's see how long after it was a year or two. probably a year or two yeah um we actually got invited to keith's house by jeff taylor just yeah. nice.
1: <laughs> for a jam just a hang out. yeah
2: just a jam um oh, and so we uh, <laughs> so it was just kind of a random thing i mean i'd heard in christ alone before but i didn't know the guy who wrote it was still alive So yeah.
0: <laughs> That's
2: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so Zach informed me of that. Yeah. Um, he's like, Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> got right there. You wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> There's two no, things like, it, yeah. yeah, he looks good for Zach. <laughs> 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 <And so, laughs> um, but uh, so that was just a jam. And then it was still like another year later that they needed a fiddle player to sub for Deborah because she was expecting mm-hmm. her second child. And I think it was Jeff. And then also I'd taken a lesson with Andy Leftwich on mandolin, just like a one, one off lesson, you know, and he's like, do you play Irish music? And I said, yeah, I play some Irish music. He said, I might third name in the hat for something. <laughs> you know." It's okay. so I think it was between him and, yeah. and Jeff kind of recommending that I got an audition. And so I went and auditioned and it was um, fall tour and Christmas tour. And I didn't know if anything would come of it after that. You know, can't um, be on
1: after their, yeah, they can be on after that Because it actually worked well with Deborah. Yeah, but it's like every every move in the music industry we find is that it's just yeah, it's just it, like yeah, so many little And you play with it, and and a it, uh, year later, two years mm-hmm. later, they just kind of pop up with, oh hey, what about you know? Would you be available for this? You seem like the kind of person for mm-hmm. that. So it's sort of you know, I've heard it put before where it's when your your ability meets an opportunity is mm-hmm. when a job happens mm-hmm. you know there are amazing players in this town that have never had that opportunity right and it could have been as simple as oh i'm busy the day of the auditions mm-hmm. and somebody else got it yeah it could have been something much more crucial like oh you know he's an amazing player but he smells to high heaven, so don't put him on a bus. You know, you don't know what those other things are because right. that's a huge part of every decision yeah. I've ever seen in a band. Because
2: that's, that's the other thing. It's kind of like if you're annoying to work with but a great yeah. player, you might get some some session gigs, yeah. but you're probably not going to get put on a bus. They're all going to be in town <laughs> right. because
1: they don't want to spend the night in the same area as you. Yeah, yeah. No long drives, just like, okay, right. we'll hire him because he just shows up, plays, and leaves.
0: Yes, <laughs> So I think that's really valuable, though yeah. especially in today's, you know, modern age of technology, everybody thinks that to make it, it's all about the social media and granted social media plays a huge part in it, but it's mm-hmm. also the personal aspect of staying visible, going out and playing shows, doing your, you know, paying your dues, gigging, and yeah. then just, you know, feet to ground networking and making those connections. Now, yeah. I'm sure that that's probably easier to do in a place like Nashville where people congregate, you know, in that scene more readily than it is Mm -hmm. like in St. Louis where it's not quite as happening in that front. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess in that aspect, it makes sense to me why so many people migrate to Nashville and to LA Mm -hmm. to do that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Now I don't know in your journey um, how important or relevant it is for you to go like on knock on doors for publishing companies or for you know to try to get your music noticed. Uh, if you've even had to do that kind of work, or if it's just been you going and playing shows and being right place, right time. So, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Everybody's journey as an artist is different.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's always that that the publishing thing. Like oh, we've met those folks. is typically in the the higher demand areas of music where it's you know country or or pop stuff where. There's a ton of people and, and in those genres, you know, your age is a bigger factor yeah. than in folk music where, you know, they don't care. <laughs> 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 Thankfully. Right. Uh, and uh but yeah, you know, time and time again, I've it's always been if you're consistent in your quality, mm-hmm. then you know, it's sort of the old Mark Twain quote of the man who always tells the truth and never never has to remember what he said. Right. So in in if you twist that around. You can kind of be the person that's confident in the music that they play. Yeah. The quality in the music that they play never has to worry that they impress the right person. Because right. if they're constantly playing high quality stuff, mm-hmm. then you can feel pretty good that, you know, hopefully if somebody needs me, they can think of me. Right. You know, the social media thing, good example is that Jeff Taylor guy, he's not on social media.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, he he doesn't see any <laughs> of the But if you go to one of his do. concerts,
2: it's like, everybody's here. Right, <laughs> <You know? right. laughs>
1: so it's, you know, we connect with him because you know, he plays an accordion trio here in town that we love to go listen to. Uh, right. I know that sounds like terribleness for most folks, but we love it. <laughs> um, I mean, there and, is the
0: didgeridoo, so. well, <laughs> exactly.
1: oh, and, and that's, that's an interesting, just something we've seen because we're in that world of a little more unique mm-hmm. approach to music. Specificity in what you do is also very valuable. Yes. Going after the same mountain that Thousand other people are going after means that you got to fight more for attention versus you know. Getty's about a third of the band live all across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's in Philadelphia, someone's in Boston, someone's in L.A., um, and it wasn't necessarily because they were plugged into those cities' music scenes, but mm-hmm. that they were super specific in what they do. I think of our friend Patrick, who's an illin piper. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there are very few illin pipers in America mm-hmm. that can play of a high quality and and tour and be personal around uh because it's such a unique instrument now that being said he's not getting called all the time (laughs) for every gig out there but he'll he'll, he's played on a josh groban record he's played on this because it's like when they need that sound it's like well i got four people to choose from Right. That's why our buddy Jeff knows everybody because he's one of the best accordion players there is. Yeah. And accordion is one of those things you need from time to time. So he's played with Paul Simon and Ricky Skaggs and wow. Vince Gill and all these big name guys because it's so specific. And he, he's also multi-talented in specificity. Right. He's, mm-hmm. he's renowned. He's he's always that guy carrying a cart of just like Jeff. What did you bring today? It's <laughs> a banjo, yeah. penny whistles, and accordion, and a bazooki, <laughs> and twelve other, a harmonium. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. So that's just one facet of the music industry because that's something that we were talking about earlier today about, uh, I know I fell into it, especially when you're outside of it, you think there's like five jobs. Mm -hmm. A lead man in the rock group, the band and the rock group and I don't know, manager.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And
1: there's so much more. I feel like
2: most people don't even realize they have a manager. (laughs) Most
1: people don't realize there's a band behind the lead singer. Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah. But no, there's, there's so many jobs. I think that nobody ever thinks about. Yeah. That are
1: very satisfying. That put you in music, that have you Mm -hmm. think creatively. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we've got a lot of friends that we went to school with that were in bands and they were making the majority of their money from music but mm-hmm. just for some whatever reason in life they are going you know what, this isn't exactly what I thought yeah and it isn't for everybody mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things you know mm-hmm. you travel a lot which though it sounds glamorous at first it, yeah. it you, you you realize it's not you know my little brother came I on tour with us it, yeah we <laughs> love it. It, it it's something we love we do
0: it together so it's not you know, like yeah we're that's huge, behind you know what I mean that's been a huge help yeah, yeah.
1: my little brother came on tour with us because he had heard all our stories where we highlight the things that we love. Yeah. And, and he was working on the merch side and taking photographs. And he was doing great with the photos. And he saw a lot of stuff. But after a season, he's like, no, oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. And it was like yep. someone's similar, similar life. just, nope, didn't fit.
0: Right, And, right. and it doesn't Absolutely. for all
1: people. But that being said, there are so many other jobs yeah. around that allow you to be creative and have those pick and choose.
0: Yeah, So then kind of going back into the specificity of your musicianship and your artistry, I guess, do you have any advice to those who feel pressure to play the game to where they kind of get lost as artists? How do you play that marketing game, that fine line between um, being relevant while also staying true to yourself? Um.
2: I was just thinking about, like, I, I like to just focus on. I, I don't know if this if this sounds like the answer or not, but like, I I like to focus on the art itself as opposed to the all the. There's so many. In, in you know just endless comparisons you could do whether that's other people other styles what styles are more popular or whatnot and um i've never been good at even knowing what is popular so <laughs> that might help so it's like when i find out about who's um Who's really popular? that I find out. Oh, that song's ten years old. Oh shoot! Yeah. <laughs> so They're that's still alive, usually, right. <laughs> exactly. They're still alive. So, um, so I guess that works to my benefit. <laughs> but I try, especially if I just have any sort of just comparisons list. If I catch myself going there, because you always will catch yourself going there, no matter what that list is, is try to refocus on on the art of it. Yeah. Because that's at least for for the music job that I do I want to be as tasteful as possible right. and sometimes that means playing on you know somebody's you might you might be playing on something that you don't actually think is great I mean right. <laughs> it's gonna happen to everybody but but it's just that regardless of what it is trying to be play as tastefully as you can mm-hmm. and or, or write as tastefully as you can you know right.
1: Right. yeah because I mean to me it's art is about communication and and we're always looking for something new it's never fully satisfying right so if you're focused on relevancy in your Mm -hmm. art then you're only focused on how you're being compared
2: yeah i feel like that that can also be really fleeting yeah because if i think about the you know just art created over the years whatever category you want to zero in on it's um it's the, the the stuff that lasts Definitely wasn't comparing itself to what else was happening, you know, during right. that time. Yeah. I feel Like,
1: well, and it's um, like because I also under I have to remind myself it's okay to to be influenced by other people and to right. in in this in a way copy take a little bit, you know. Uh, I, I can point at every part in all my songs and say, "Oh, that's me stealing from that guy. That's me stealing from that guy." Right. But in it's only the end, stealing
2: if you steal all of it. Right, <laughs>
1: Stealing from one person is copyright infringement. Stealing from multiple people is like, so yeah. much better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so like in that sense, you could say that relevant is is important. But I think so often we think of relevant as like uh, pop culture. Being, right. being, yeah, because being probably uh, yeah
2: I might be taking. I, I guess you could take re, you can take relevant in a positive and a non-positive way. So yeah. I guess mine kind of took it in a non-positive.
1: <laughs> well, because like, we've just never been those people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: been relevant that being said i don't think <laughs> i don't think
1: there's anything wrong with being if you're the person that loves that world yeah the world that's being created right now mm-hmm. and never seen before then then just create in the best way you can in that world
2: yeah and, i mean that's, and, that's that's i think that's a good way to divide yeah. it too it's not it's not trying to it's bash what's
1: bad yeah, yeah it's not
2: trying to bash what's popular but right. be be what uh also recognize what your passion is. It's kind of like, and if that's not, then maybe that's not what you should be, like a
0: uh, pursuing, I guess. I don't know. Defines the idea uh, and definition of success. So just yeah. because you don't make it in necessarily the pop world doesn't mean yeah, you made it. you're not doing a good job. Absolutely, exactly. Um, that was yeah. such a
1: comfort when you get to when we when I got to town and start to meet musicians. I go, oh, there's a whole middle class of musicians, <laughs>
2: right? Because
1: I didn't think because everyone talks about you know, are you going to fail? You're either going to be Kenny Chesney or you fail. And you're like, <laughs> right, no, right. that's preposterous. <laughs> there is so much available. It's a right. giant industry. Right. Right. There are thousands and thousands of jobs and different formats and ways that you can be involved. So mm-hmm. to think that it can only be this one thing is super right. narrow. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. And that that is extremely comforting. Um, yeah. You know, if you're paying the bills and doing what you love, that's success in my book. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> so then tell me a little bit more about what you guys have upcoming. I know things in the schedule have been thrown for a loop in the madness yeah. of today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right now we have nothing.
2: And
1: <laughs> and tomorrow right. we've got more nothing. No. Exactly.
0: Uh, <laughs>
2: um, let's see. We did we did the COVID fest and that's helped with um just being able to hand that that could all the tech side for that or let's see, we had a little bit of help they have, yeah. but what he did with the tech side of that has also branched out into other uh, festival Art, yeah. type work. we have been running so, streams
1: for other folks. Yeah, we actually festivals. streamed
2: a concert live last night. He did all the tech side. Yeah. I got to play a little bit, but um, uh, that was for Peter Mayer.
1: Right. Nice. As but as far, far as, as us, us like brand, yeah. yeah we're hoping to put out a single we wrote a song earlier this year called settle down
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh that funny to, to link back to our opening conversation actually has a classical piece of violin right in the middle of it nice. as part of the song and it's this fun thing so we're, we're gonna try we've been talking about being able to start doing more home recording to put out singles without having to go pay to the studio every time
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we might try that this yeah. year but really our 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 whole schedules have gotten completely blown up by this and right. we're, not, we're not sure what if any work uh performance wise yeah. we will have this yeah. year
2: we're, we're hopefully doing some sort of live thing at some point yeah. for for the two of us um and that i guess we don't have like a time picked out but yeah. at, at some point we want to do something live and then hopefully put out a single and then um yeah, we're uh, other than that, just preparing our heads for yeah. like there might not be any more gigs this year. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe there will. Right, <laughs> Yeah. Right. We've and done
1: more know, interviews so- than ever before. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> there you
0: go. You're still getting your face out there and hey, it's still That's oh, what I've been teaching. That's true. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but you got I a, guess a student? Yeah. <laughs> For those who are wanting to find you on your social media, can yeah. you throw out your social media handles, Instagram, YouTube, and anything you want out there?
1: It should be all Zach and Maggie. And if you don't find it that way, put music at the end and you'll find it.
0: <laughs> and so, and for Instagram listeners, is Zach and Maggie. Yeah. Definitely check it out. It's amazing. And if you need inspiration in your songwriting, they are a go-to. Um, oh, on that topic as well. Do you have any um, tips or inspiration for in a dry spell whenever you're writing?
2: Hmm. For me, and I, I write more instrumental. I, I'm getting into songwriting, but I come from much more instrumental writing. Um, for me, is not to get too in my own head about it. <laughs> you know, just sometimes the the mental break's good. Yeah. Um, because it can always also stress me out. I, I I get to that point where it's just like I I haven't been successful in this in this avenue. You know, for so long, yeah. and it can kind of freak me out more. Yeah. Maybe
1: I hit my biggest dry spell <laughs> last year. Mm -hmm. of writing i think Uh and uh so i started kind of looking up for tips on songwriting and every guy i find inspirational in writing from like paul simon to jerry seinfeld and comedy writing Uh all say the exact same thing which is set a time every day and just Mm -hmm. sit and write Uh, the 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 biggest one i would say is also uh, we found this amazing video by john cleese from monty python uh, Mm -hmm. where where he's doing a talk about creativity
2: uh-huh. It's really good. It's
1: amazing. And he talks about uh, the difference between an open mode and a closed mode in your mind and how your closed mode is kind of your, your accomplishing tasks, you're doing things. We live most of our days and checklists off in the closed mode. Right. He said open mode is that creative time and it needs a, what would he say, a space-time oasis, a yes. place where you okay. sit for a minute. He said give it an hour and a half. You need your brain to slow He's down. He's like
2: you need 30 minutes at least to just like – Get all of the like all of the things that come into your mind trying to interrupt.
1: Yeah, to quiet down, it takes at least thirty minutes, yeah. and then another thirty minutes to begin to start opening your brain into silliness and whatnot. You need to be able to play and feel like you're open to discuss. Um, and, and I find more often than not that's what it, that, that what, what those those mentors I've been trying to read about are saying is mm-hmm. they have a time every day to just sit and get in that open mode. Yeah. Um, so and
2: also too, I think that also made it where if you don't come up with anything that's all right yeah you're gonna have another one tomorrow you know yeah, it, absolutely. it does it so hopefully remove some of that pressure yeah you know?
1: like uh, so like for example i went from having a biggest dry spell last year to probably one of my most successful writing periods at the beginning of this year mm-hmm. and it was from finding that and trying to set the time to go and, and being really good about saying i'm just gonna sit here for a minute right and try to think of something and then i also found that there are certain activities and places In my life, that trigger creative thought. So usually it would be I can come up with better ideas if I'm either outside by a fire pit or or here in my office or whatnot. But to develop the idea, I need to go drive because there's something about (laughs) you know kind of keeping some of my main focus on the task at hand being driving Mm -hmm. or dishes or something like that. But driving specifically (laughs) helps.
2: The driving (laughs) more often called out. (laughs)
1: that's good Uh, but that activity keeps my mind focused on that and then i can let kind of this it feels like my subconscious coming out and and we had a couple week period where she's like every time you go out for a drive you come back with a song idea
0: please go out more (laughs) often
1: so i stopped doing dishes all together and i just drive all the time
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And like I said, every it's personal to every single person. So yeah. everybody has a different way of centering in and focusing, but I think that is really val- valuable to create that space and time where mm-hmm. that is, your focus is solely dedicated to that, but also mm-hmm. not pressuring yourself. You yeah. know, Maybe you set a time limit for that. Maybe it's 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day to where you mm-hmm. don't frustrate yourself and think, I have to be creative every single time I sit down to this space. Right. Yeah. right. Self-grace yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I
1: can't recommend that John Cleese video enough. I think we've quoted yeah. it 30 times <laughs> since we saw it last a couple awful. months ago. It's, it's really good. You just look up John Cleese creativity, you'll find it.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I don't want this to go, you know, as long as it possibly could, because this is such a valuable conversation that we could talk forever and ever, never. never. Mm-hmm. But if you had any parting words for musicians that are maybe, uh, maybe they don't have the resources to move to a Nashville or LA, or maybe mm-hmm. they are struggling to find themselves in a specific niche. How do they get started?
1: Hmm. i mean in a way it's don't think about it too much just Mm -hmm. start creating and create Mm -hmm. stuff that that really that is always challenging if you if there's a there's a fine line between creating stuff that's that's engaging and satisfying and then this sort of just self-gratification just Mm -hmm. being amused with ourselves and what we can play uh it's it's i would always joke that the worst thing you can ever teach an early beginning piano player is pirates of the caribbean because they're just going to stop after that every, <laughs> every kid we grew up with just would sit down at the piano bum bum ba, da, dum, bum, and then like i'm done that's all i wanted to do
0: i totally didn't totally did do that yeah.
1: <laughs> so so it's like understanding the difference between that just i'm just gratifying myself to where like look at me i can play the thing i wanted to versus uh, i really want to honest and create something that 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 replicates the feelings I'm I'm having right now and that's so hard it's I, I feel like I'm, I just turned 30 and I feel like it wasn't until last year that I really started to understand how to turn songs into a self-expression yeah they're always such a distant mm-hmm. thing I'm working on over here and not like oh I feel this and this image represents that mm-hmm. I was doing it before but I didn't think about it
2: yeah. um,
1: until then until last year but um but yeah.
2: I would also say like, especially if you're, if you're, you know, not able to like there's, there's concerts in Nashville all the time or there have been up till now, <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, it makes it really easy to go to, but just, uh, I guess, stating what probably seems obvious, but also just make sure that if you're, if you're aspiring to do more in music, to be around musicians. Yeah. So if that just means going to a concert cause they're coming through your town or even if you have to drive a bit, you know, just go, go, you know if the next big town is another hour yeah keep track of who's coming to those theaters and when I was little my parents would take me to um see see different fiddle players and then if we could meet them backstage and I could say hey could you hear a tune and critique me on this just something to, to start getting to know those people uh, people that are you know better than what you are to inspire you and all that kind of stuff so and, and then sometimes you'll find out too even in in small areas that they might have a you know weekly jam or mm-hmm. something like that something to put you with other musicians but also to make sure you put your you you listen to you know musicians that are also really great so that you can keep you know working on whatever whatever yeah. mu- music music, music is
1: equally as satisfying as it is frustrating and yeah. there, there is no made it that, right. that's a terrible term because it's the you know there are musicians that I've met that are elderly and masters mm-hmm. and they're still so frustrated they can't get that spot <laughs> get that you right. know <laughs> I had a guy that he he is probably one of the just this this monster of a player in my mind this guy that's just a just the pinnacle of guitar and banjo and all that and he was doing something for us thankfully and he <laughs> called me like 12 times going like Zach I just don't know I'm playing so badly I'm thinking like your bad is probably my best I could possibly put out, but right. he's just <laughs> as frustrated as, you know, a student mm-hmm. would be. So that allows you to be really humble when you approach your craft right.
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, going up to ask uh, somebody, Hey, could you critique me? Be honest. and like, no, that you're not going to have it all perfect. Nobody does. Right. So mm-hmm. why not glean a little bit there and, and being able to approach music and the music industry with mm-hmm. humility only I think reaps rewards mm-hmm. because right. that because people can see that and we don't want to work with somebody who thinks I'm pretty great and right. you and you just haven't heard me yet that, I don't want to play with that guy
2: yeah yeah I just
1: no, want to so guy true. hanging out going like here here's the best I can do here's yes. the best I can do and and yeah that's great
0: so, I, I mean I've heard you know it said too that heart Makes up for sometimes a, a lack of talent in a certain yeah. way. If you're not, you know, if you mm-hmm. don't have access to the greatest teachers, you know, sometimes it's mm-hmm. that passion and that heart and that humility too, that just takes you right over the edge and makes you more mm-hmm. successful than someone who might be a little bit more talented than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so, so true is to stay committed, stay consistent and stay teachable. Yeah, Absolutely. So I am so incredibly glad that you guys were willing to come on this podcast it's yeah, informative so much fun. and educational. And I just <laughs> love sitting down and, and picking your brain and just figuring out, you know, how you mentally approach things as well. Like I said, in the beginning, everybody approaches it so differently. And so just to come back to that point of humility um, and to also be able to showcase what you do in your music is a beautiful thing. So thank you again. And for the oh, listeners on Instagram, Zach and Maggie Music, YouTube, Zach and Maggie Music and their website. <laughs> Is Zach and Maggie without the so go Check <laughs> them out, book them. They are absolutely amazing. So thank you guys so much.
1: Thank and you so thanks much for
0: having there. us. Have a wonderful evening then.
1: Absolutely. You, you too. Can okay, we we'll see you again? Good to see right, you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Wasn't that conversation so good? One, they're just incredibly fun people to talk to, but two, they're a wealth of information. And it's been incredible to talk to them. And I'm so glad that they agreed to come and sit down and talk with us and share their wisdom with us. So if you like what you heard or you want to book them, give them some love on their social media. Go check them out Instagram and YouTube at Zach and Maggie Music. And their website is www.zachandmaggie.com. As always, be sure to share this podcast on your Instagram. Tag us at Own Your Voice Podcast, and if you have anybody that you would like to see on this podcast be interviewed or you have a topic for the next episode, leave it in a comment down below. We are always looking for incredible new musicians and entrepreneurs and creative artists to highlight. So, be sure to drop us a comment. Again, follow us at Own Your Voice Podcast, and until next time, we'll see you on Instagram To learn more about the Own Your Voice Podcast, Or to join the growing community, visit gabriellestudioofmusic.com and the Own Your Voice podcast on Instagram. As always, remain committed to owning the power of your unique voice. Because what you have to say, both musically and personally, is much too important not to be heard.